and welcome to today's edition of Tabernacle Today, a podcast maintained by the Tabernacle located in Danville, Virginia. The following sermon is by Joey Bray, Executive Pastor at the Tabernacle, and was recorded during our Sunday morning service. Additional information about the Tabernacle can be found at our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. Our prayer is that you will be blessed by the Word of God today. Turn in your Bibles as we join Pastor Joey for another edition of Tabernacle Today. Wow, I I got uh, a little choked up. Hmm. That's okay. I love children. And this church loves children. And man, I I just, uh, you know, I had a little bit of a flashback to my mom. Not a perfect lady, but loved me. Uh, I still remember to this day, she was an excellent seamstress. And she sewed and made most of my clothes. She did buy me one pair of blue jeans, which she put patches on year after year, covered holes that now children pay money. (laughs) Parents pay good money to have holes in their jeans. But But she patched them. She made me my first pair of bell bottoms. Anybody know what bell bottoms are? <laughs> bell bottoms, but not just bell bottoms. Bell bottoms that were red, white, and blue. She was a very patriotic mother. And they flared at the bottom, and the stars would, show, would appear when they flared out. Beautiful. And then, but the ultimate, the ultimate in her seamstress capabilities was when she made me, yes, a leisure suit. (laughs) A whole leisure suit. Green, about that color green. And I wore that thing and I was proud of it. It had the white stitching in it, you know, the, the lapels that were that wide. It was a beautiful thing. I loved it. I hope you have some precious memories of your mom. My mom passed away many years ago. But I, uh, today, thought about letters to mom. I want to speak to you about letters to mom and and get into some examples in just a moment. In this digital age, there's nothing like receiving a good old-fashioned letter, especially a handwritten letter. I mean, that... That art is just about gone from society. But if you can get a letter to someone and handwrite it, even a card, even a card to someone that's handwritten uh, with a handwritten note in it is meaningful. I know your penmanship, like mine, may not be that great. But I, I encourage you to do that. And it is, in speci- it is especially Good to receive an old-fashioned letter when it's written by a child. And so in that light, let me give you a few examples. Mom, thank you for making me food so I won't die. (laughs) Written, yeah, by a child. Dear Mom, thank you so much for being my mom. If I had a different mom, I would get rid of her and go find you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mom, I love you more than rainbows. Now, this, this child had to uh, talk about, uh, had some poetic skills to, Mom, I love you more than rainbows and beautiful blue skies. I love you more than buttercups and wings of butterflies. I love you more than cow. <laughs> yes. And then this one, uh, this one had some uh, poetic skills as well. Dear Mommy, I do not think I say this often. I love you very, 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 very. Okay, this is the last one. Very much. And I've got a poem for you. By the way, uh, this child spells much like I do. Um, Roses are red, just like your face when dad eats our snack. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Just throw dad under the bus. Yes, okay. And then this one, perhaps maybe you've had a child that dealt with a little bit of uh, uh, high emotions. Dear Mommy, I'm angry at you, and I'm not talking to you today and tomorrow. P.S. All day. P.S.S. I still love you. (laughs) Yeah. Some humor there, but let me just say this to you now in all seriousness. Mothers are are perhaps the most powerful and influential force on the planet. Can I say that again? Mothers, moms, grandmothers, mothers are perhaps the most powerful and influential force on the planet. In fact, I would say this, motherhood is the bond that holds the home. Dads, we have a place. Dads, we have a part. And we'll get into that at some point. But moms, motherhood is the bond that holds the home. And let me just say, I cannot go any further in the in this message without saying that there's something wrong in this country when little children are looked upon as burdens rather than blessings. Something wrong with that picture. And it's even something is drastically wrong when little babies are put to death in and now out of the mother's womb. That's wrong. It's wrong. And I didn't hardly got a grunt. Hmm. It's wrong. Children do not make rich people poor. They make poor people rich. That is, that is the legacy of children. So today, Mother's Day, let's take a look at some biblical examples of moms. And I want you to understand the times of these biblical examples. These moms didn't live in, in plush conditions. They didn't have it good. These were harsh conditions. Uh, there were harsh times. And so you say, well, that mom's got it easy. No, no, no mom's got it easy. By the grace of God, moms make it, dads make it, households make it. But understand the times. This was, these were not easy times. And now I'm going to get you to, you need to take your Bibles. And if you have it on a, on a tablet, uh, a smartphone, printed copy, because I'm going to need you to turn to a few passages of Scripture as we go through these examples of moms. And the first one is Sarah. Genesis chapter 21. Turn there if you would. Genesis chapter 21. And I will read these passages of Scripture. Now, you recall Sarah and Abraham. 
And you recall that uh, Abraham had a handmaiden that he went in and had uh, relations with, her named Hagar, and uh, she produced a child named Ishmael. And you know the story of Ishmael. And here is Sarah, she's barren, and she is in distress. And then she says in Genesis 21, uh, the Lord uh, here visits Sarah in verse 1, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. She had asked for a child, a baby boy. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, and as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old, yes, 100 years old, when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. And all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. As if he didn't already know it. She's pointing it out again. You're old, Abraham. But God has provided us a child, a male child, Isaac, whose name means laughter. There's something in a name. Names mean something. And Isaac means laughter. Now, let me pull aside right here. In Scripture, these letters are not there. Okay? But I was just supposing in my mind, which drifts a lot, what would a letter from an older Isaac say to mom, Sarah, this certainly wouldn't be the letter in its entirety, but perhaps it would go something like this. Mom, I'm thankful that from your tears, God brought forth laughter. Because of your and dad's belief in Almighty God, I now am a true patriarch of the faith. And looking back on that moment when I was almost sacrificed as a burnt offering, I now realize how committed to God you really are. The next, turn here to, uh, uh, well, let me finish up with, with verse 12 of um, Genesis. Verse 12 says, uh, and we'll go to the last part of that verse. God said, whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice, for in Isaac your seed shall be called. Let me just pull off to the side here. Uh, gentlemen, there are times, yes, we are the head of the household. We should be. God has designed it that way. There are times when we need to listen to our wives. We need to listen to her voice as God instructed here. Whatever Sarah has said to you, there's been more than one occasion when I have avoided travesty yeah, by listening to my wife. And then there's been more than one occasion where I have messed up for not listening to her. God gives us our helpmate, guys. 
to help us. Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 30. Rachel is the next mom. Genesis chapter 30, we'll read verse 1, then we'll read verses 22 through 24. And I want you to pay attention to something here in verse 1. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, up until this point her womb was barren as well, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. Now, husbands, how do you like that edict from your wife? Give me children or else I die. What does that point out about this, this dear mom? The humanness of her. She's human. And she's in, she is in a condition where she knows in that culture, in that time, children are a heritage of the Lord, and especially male children. And so she says, give me children or else I die. <clears throat> Verse 22, then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph. And said, the Lord shall add to me another son. Joseph, his name means God will add. Joseph. What about Joseph's letter to his mom? Dear mother, I know out of all my brothers, you thought of me as the best. Especially after they sold me into slavery in Egypt. But mom, your prayers and influence over me in my youth sustained me and made me wise with God's help that led me to a position of prominence in Egypt and caused me to understand right from wrong. The next mom, Ruth chapter 4. Turn to Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. You know the story of Ruth, of course, the, uh, the Moabite, uh, not an Israelite, but a Moabite, and uh, uh, the story of the kinsman redeemer. It's a beautiful, beautiful story that you need to go back and study. Uh, so, so Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, by the way, took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then, verse 14, the women said to Naomi, Naomi is the mother-in-law, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in all of Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Verse 17, also the neighbor women gave him a name saying, this is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. Obed, by the way, is the father of Jesse, who, by the way, is the father who had Jesse, who had a son. And his son's name is David. Obed, the grandfather of King David, from whose line the Messiah would come. 
Obed means, his name means serving, servant, servant's heart. What would a letter from Obed to his mom say, you think? Thank you for teaching me at a young age to serve. And thank you for enriching my life with the history of our family tree. May our family and our future generations serve the one and true God forever. The next is found in, mom is found in Luke chapter 1. Turn to, to uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 57. Elizabeth. Luke chapter 1, verse 57. And of course, uh, you can go back and read that story as well. Uh, Zacharias, uh, Elizabeth's husband, uh, was told that he would be able to see the, uh, the Messiah born before he died. And, uh, and then the angel Gabriel appeared to them and uh, said, you will have a child, a son of your own. And Zacharias said, how can this be? And because of his unbelief, the Lord made him mute. He could not talk. So now, verse 57, we get to Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. The angel had already told her what, uh, what name to give the child. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. So they made signs to the child's father. What, would you, what name would you have him called? And he asked for a writing tablet, that is, Zacharias, and wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth, that is, Zacharias's mouth was open, and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Then fear came all on all those who dwelt around him. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of a child will this be? Perhaps you said that in thinking about your children. At the hand of the, and the hand of the Lord was with him. And of course, she gave birth to John the Baptist, whose name means the baptizer. And Elizabeth was barren. God answered her prayer. And John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps John's letter to his mom would go like this. Hey, mom, thanks for letting me stay outdoors during my childhood. <laughs> and thanks for letting me eat the things that I've eaten. I love wild food. By the way, can you put a patch on a camel hair coat? <laughs> Thank you for instilling God's favor in me as a child. And by the way, I can't wait for you to hear my upcoming announcement.
Next, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1. This mom is Hannah. And we'll go to verse 8. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 8. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, I get this, uh, gentlemen, we can learn from this. Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I, your husband, not better to you than ten sons? And the answer is obvious. No. I want a son. I need a son. I pray for a son. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest, who by the way was a piece of work, you need to go back and study Eli at some point. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Verse 11. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. And then look at what she says. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son, called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Samuel, his name means heard of God or ask of God. By the way, who was Samuel? Well, he was one of the last judges and one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. What about his letter? Dear Mother, my prayers for you, my prayers for you go back to days of old. Before my birth, you prayed to God asking for a child that you could give back to him. Now, as an adult, I thank you for giving me back to God. Next, over in the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And we have here grandmother. I had to get grandmas in there. Grandmother Lois and Mother Eunice. And of course, talking about Timothy. Grandmother Lois, Mother Eunice. Verse 5, chapter 1. When I call to remembrance, <clears throat> this is Paul now talking about these two ladies and, and uh, to Timothy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Genuine faith. Timothy, by the way, means honoring God. Timothy's letter, perhaps some of it may have gone like this. Thanks to both of you for praying for me and instilling me in me the virtues of faith. Faith that was genuine, sincere, true, and without pretense. Because of your faith, I also possess faith in Jesus Christ, and I now proclaim His gospel. Wow. Just a side note here. Faith is said to have dwelt with Lois and Eunice. 
dwelt first in them. It was not there as an occasional visitor, but an abiding presence with them. Can't be an occasional visitor. Kids pick up on that. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be abiding, continuous faith. And then the final example here that I would share with you is Mary. Huh. Luke chapter 1. Mary, the mother of Jesus, of course. Luke chapter 1, and you know that story quite well. I just focus on these two verses, 30 and 31. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, wouldn't we all like to hear that from an angel? Yeah. Verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, our Savior. What about Jesus' letter to his mother? I'm going to leave that up to you. I'm not going to tell you what I think. You can, you can flesh that out for, your, for yourselves. Just think about the life of Jesus. Jesus. What about his letter to his mom? Now, I want you to flip back to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And that's, that's where I want to make some application this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Mom's going to make some, some uh, applications to you derived from the lives of these moms found in Scripture. And we could, use, we could have used any of these examples or several of these examples that we just read about. But I'm going to focus in specifically on Hannah here, although there are examples of these, these applications found in the others. Um, and dads, time for you to listen up, because these applications can apply to us as well. So here we go, 1 Samuel chapter 1, back to verse 10. The first, uh, the first application here is prayer. Look at verse 10. And she, that is Hannah, was in bitterness of soul. And what did she do when she was in bitterness of soul? She, she uh, ran and called people. She went on Facebook. She um, printed it in the Star Tribune uh, ramblings of uh, Ringgold or whatever it is. No, it says, she prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Have you ever wept in anguish? I mean, I, I, I have wept. I admit that as a man. And I think real men do weep. But have you ever wept in, in just sheer anguish? Wanting something, knowing something, asking God for something, asking God for your children to be to grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Hannah wanted a child. She prayed. So prayer should be a part of our lives. You wouldn't think that we would, uh, we as ministers would have to say that to anybody in the congregation or anybody in the church. But uh, our prayer life 
is often anemic. It just is. And sometimes mine gets anemic. And we have to work on that. We must, for the benefit of our children, prayer. And then secondly, found in verse 11, is the application of purpose. Look at verse 11. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will, will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and do not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him, then I will give him to the Lord. She purposed in her heart that she was going to give him back to God. Hey, we can do that with our children too, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. In other words, she raised, she was raised that way in all likelihood, and she was raising her children that way. When she had a child, she was going to be intentional about giving those children to God, back to God. By the way, folks, we don't need to fight God when He assigns, when we pray that way, and then He assigns our children for His purposes. Hey, son or daughter of such and such parent, I want you to go be a missionary out of the country. Uh, wait a minute, God. I liked you up to that point. I really don't want to let my child go to this country, that country. Well, if you're going to be intentional about giving them back to God with purpose, then don't fight God when He, when he does what you ask Him to do. What I ask Him to do. Prayer, purpose. By the way, there's something here uh, I think we should do as parents and grandparents. It doesn't hurt to pray right out of the Scripture. It doesn't hurt to pray Scripture over your children, over your grandchildren, over your life, my life, our lives, our marriages. Pray Scripture out of the Bible. And then second, uh, second uh, the thirdly, the third application is in verse 12. And it is the word persistence. This is not on your screen, but I hope you will write it down. Persistence. Look at verse 12. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord. Not only did she pray for Samuel before he was born, but she continued praying. And by the way, she continued praying after he was born. She did. Through the, dark, through, the, through the great days, through the dark days, through the desolate days, through the difficult days, she prayed. Moms and dads, please, through the dark days, through the desolate days, through days of sorrow, days of pain, days when your children are distant, days when your children are, hurt, are hurting you, pray for them. Don't stop. Don't stop praying for them. Don't stop loving them. You say, well, you don't know what they've done to my, my heart. I don't. But I know God loves them. And I know He loves you. And I know you, deep down you love your children. Sometimes, yes, we have to love them from a distance. It's okay. It's okay. Leave them in God's hands. She persistently prayed for Samuel before he was born, and then after he was born. And then, the, and then this one, 
is really application for all of us, dads included, is the word persuasion. Persuasion. Look at this in verse 21. Look at what happens in verse 21. Now the man, that is the husband, the father, Elkanai, and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow, which was, which was the, the common practice to do. And look at, but look at verse 22. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Verse 24, now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her uh, with the three bulls, one ephah of flour, a skin of wine, and brought him to the... Where did she take him? Brought him to the house of the Lord. She could have taken him to the movies, I suppose. She could have taken him to uh, the restaurant. She could have taken him to the ball game. All those things are fine, by the way. But... Right out of the gate, she took him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. Then she slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli, and she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I ask of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He shall be lent to the Lord. And then look at what it says. So they worshiped. Who worshiped? Well, Hannah and Samuel. He had gone. He had gone. He had moved from a baby to a child at this point. So they worshiped the Lord there. I, I, I do not intend to be unkind, but now is not the time to, to slough off of church. Now's not the time to let your children go. Now's not the time to not take them to church. Just not. Never has been. But it's really not now. What are you going to do? It's, it's, it's hard raising children, isn't it? You don't get any second chances often. You don't get blueprints uh, you don't, you don't, you, you, uh, and in our case, we, you know, we, we could not have biological children, so we adopted. And I was, I was old when I did that, when we did that. <laughs> and I still didn't know what I was doing. We say that our children were born in our hearts. But it's tough. You cannot do it without God. And if you think you can, well, I'll sell you some swampy land, okay? Come talk to me. Persuasion. While they're here, and here, and here, you have persuasion over them. And you do the best you can with them, I know. And you, le you leave them with the Lord, and you give them back to God, and sometimes they follow through 
when they become adults, sometimes they don't. We never quit praying for them, never quit lifting them up, never quit loving them. But while we have the opportunity, we persuade them. We persuade them during those tender and formative years. There's a reason they call it the power of persuasion. Persuasion is powerful. Okay, we're almost done. So you're thinking, I haven't been such a great mother, or perhaps I didn't have a great mom growing up. Well, there are things that we can do. By the way, this acronym, MOM, acronym MOM, can also be applied to dads. So here we go. How can we help ourselves? The first is model Jesus. Model Jesus. There's a lot of things out there in the world we could model, isn't it? There's a lot of famous people. There's a lot of infamous people. There's a lot of things that we could do. Model Jesus. Look at this scripture found in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. I think I have that for you. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing one another, and what? Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Model Jesus. And then the O, obey the Spirit, Ephesians 4, 30 through 32. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. There it is, forgiving one another. And why? Even as God in Christ forgave you. And then the last M, make up. Now by makeup, I don't mean uh, Maybelline or Revlon, okay? Those are okay too. But it's found right here, Psalm 86, verse 5. For you, Lord, are good and ready to what? Forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Did you see a theme in all, all those three scriptures? Forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice we make. And you can choose not to forgive parents who may have been untoward or, or terrible or whatever description you want to use. But if you choose to forgive them, God will bless you. God will honor them. And God will release you because you're the one in captivity. Forgiveness it's a whole lot easier to forgive once we realized how much Christ forgave us. Wow. Model Jesus, obey the Spirit, make up. And then if I could say in conclusion, don't allow pop culture, cancel culture, woke culture, broke culture, social media to, to define motherhood for you or even womanhood for that matter. Just don't. Don't do it. Let the pages of Scripture do that. Moms, you are the greatest force on this planet apart from 
God Almighty, I truly believe that. And you have the capacity, along with dads, to influence your children in a great and mighty way. Suppose for a moment that Isaac had not been born, or Samuel, or John the Baptist, or Jesus, or put the name of your child in there. Wow. Children are a heritage of the Lord. Let's stand for prayer, shall we? Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Tabernacle Today. To learn more about The Tabernacle, please visit our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. There you may access additional Tabernacle Today podcasts as well as other resources. If you don't have a church home or happen to be visiting the area, we'd love to welcome you to one of our weekly services. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you back for another edition of Tabernacle Today. Tabernacle Today.